You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? It has been a long week. It has been an emotional week, and for everybody in this stadium, Bills fans watching around the world, and of course this Bills organization, the week ends on a super high note. The Bills finish off the season 13-3. and They get a 35-23 to win over the New England Patriots. I am Matt Perino. He is Ryan Talbot, and we are live right now inside Highmark Stadium. We flipped Flip the camera around. We yeah. should have been doing this from the start. This is why I got to get you get you out to the games more often, Ryan, because you got some good ideas. Yeah, you know, I'm happy to be here, Matt, for the regular season finale. Big Bills win, locked them into the two seed in the AFC playoffs, and obviously a lot to talk about with the game itself. There is a lot to talk about. We're going to get into all of that, of course, but we have to start out with uh, Top Friendly Markets, the official sponsor of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. And right now you can enter for a chance to win $1 million. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone to enter. You know, we're going to get into DeMar Hamlin here to start off the top, but I, I do want to shout out a bunch of awesome Bills fans that came out, uh, shout fans that came out to wing nuts last yes. night. You were in town for that, we had this really cool event. I want to let everybody know if you didn't make it, if you couldn't, there was a Sabres game on, you know, maybe you weren't in town. Maybe you uh, were busy last night. It's okay. It is going to be a regular thing. We're going to be doing a lot of events over at wing nights. It's the perfect venue, perfect lighting to do live shows. The one thing I will apologize about, we were on the wrong Wi-Fi network. So when we recorded the show, the video version, um, and you know, we're still working through some of the technological uh, snafus. Please be patient with that. We are going to deliver you a live product from these live events that we're going to be really, really proud of starting with the next one. We're, we're hoping. So fingers crossed. Hang out. Stick with us. Let's start with DeMar Hamlin. I mean, across the NFL today, it was this massive celebration from prayer circles, the t-shirts, people posting on social media. And then for me, the biggest joy of the day was watching DeMar Hamlin live tweeting through this game. It was just spectacular. It, it was. I mean, even about five minutes before kickoff, he posted on his Twitter, the heart uh, with his mom and dad from his hospital bed at uh, UC Medical Center. So that got it started. But then 
free Heinz, you know, uh, two big returns that we'll talk about here today. He started tweeting about that. Anytime the bills made a big play, uh, he was there on Twitter, on social media, kind of felt like he was kind of coming for our jobs and he was doing a real good job of it too there, Matt, uh, live tweeting everything out, showing how much he was involved in the game, uh, even though he couldn't be here, but yeah, that, that was just fantastic. It really was. And you know, Every every play throughout the day, you felt like this huge, like collective breath in the stadium, especially on the sideline. I mean, emotions were super high at the beginning. We're going to talk about Naheem Hines, one of the stars of this game here in a minute. But you could just feel it. And then just to see DeMar Hamlin enjoying the ride just alongside everybody. Um, you know, he had a tweet. Uh, every time somebody made a play. He had a tweet. He had a fun one about Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, Tredavious White, who we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. But I think the thing that for me, I'm sitting here with covering the you know thing on the, things on the ground in Cincinnati, going through the the emotional roller coaster of this week, and you know I think it was Dion that made a great uh, metaphor or you know analogy. It's a roller coaster that's nobody's ever ridden before, right? Like you probably experienced injury, you probably ex- ex- experienced trauma. But this is something that, you know, it's just so foreign to everybody to to go from the extreme sadness of the early moments of this week to now this celebration. And DeMar Hamlin just like walking into the party with his big, like Sean McDermott said, this smile and this twinkle in his eye that just everybody that meets him, everybody that's around him, you know, he he just is so energetic and that energy was flowing through Highmark Stadium today. It, it really was. And you know, when it comes to like you said, the trauma that it, they experienced early in the week to the joy of getting to FaceTime with him. They said that he broke the team down today post game, uh, which had to be big. But what I really enjoyed after the game was hearing from the players themselves because as special of a season as this has been for the Bills, 13 wins, not easy to do in the NFL. They all said, you know, this is not just something that you can snap out of. This is not something that you can move uh, beyond. They they want to win it all for DeMar. They want to go deep into the playoffs. Uh, But this is something that's on their minds, on all of their minds right now. uh, And they're living through it. And, and, you know, a a tip of the cap to all these players to be able to come out here today and play this game less than one week after uh, what happened to Hamlin on the field. If I may tip the cap to myself for a little bit of pregame prediction yes. time. I don't know if it was fully planned about that explosive of a performance from Naheem Hines, but as we were kind of putting things together early, like uh, a couple days ago for our pregame show, uh, when we knew that the Bills were going to play the Patriots, I kind of started thinking about, all right, where do I want to go? We do a player to watch. We do a key to the game. And then we obviously do the score predictions. Um, and and I was kind of thinking about, all right, what has really stood out? What is what has hit me the most this week? And I thought about Naheem Hines and that image that I shared on Twitter uh, of him realizing that Saran Neal had taken a knee, was looked like he was crying you know, in his knee. And Naeem Hines, who was kind of circled around with everybody else, he noticed that, left that group, went over to Saran Neal on the ground and just put his arm around him to embrace a teammate. And it honestly, man, it really spoke to me. I mean, the guy's only been here for, what, two months? Yeah. They traded for him a few uh, you know, weeks ago, really. I know it's been a couple months, but it, he's only been in this, in, in this building for a short amount of time. And I thought, man... It's like it's been bubbling, right? Like the Naheem Hines trade, the energy around it when they first traded for him was like, man, this guy's going to come out of the scene. He's going to be this explosive part of the offense. And I just thought, 
man, what a fitting thing that would be for him. Somebody with such a selfless act in the moment to be there for a teammate mm. a, of a team that he just arrived onto. That's really why I picked him. And I just thought that, you know, he, he's been starting to scratch the surface, maybe not so much in the, in the return game. Although DeMar Hamlin called it. He's he'd been saying yeah. in team meetings, free Heinz hashtag free Heinz. He said this was coming. He predicted this basically. And so after the kick return touchdown, Jamar Hamlin tweeted, Heinz free. I mean, it was just absolutely unbelievable. It, it was. And, and you mentioned it. He has not been here long, man. He's been here since the trade deadline, uh, which usually falls late October, early November. And he said, though, even though he hasn't been here very long, one of the first players to introduce himself was Demar Hamlin. So he was, I think he was in the ice bath and Hamlin came over, introduced himself. And then ever since then, he talks to him every day. Uh, so he made a real impression on him, Heinz. And he, he said it. He goes, you know, Ever since I've been here, he said, you're going to break one. You're going to break a big one soon. And he's had some really nice games as a returner. Uh, wasn't able to get into the end zone just yet. And then today, the way he was able to go, come off with two of them, a 96-yard and a 101-yarder, uh, it, it had to be special for him. It had to be special for Hamlin, who, like you said, called that weeks in advance. Yeah, and it's like the game as a whole today, I maybe mean, we could talk about this. We'll talk about Trey in a minute. You know, the Bills really needed this in this game. They they won by you know 12 points, 35-23 was the final score. So they won by 12 points, less than two scores. And their offense at times was struggled a bit. Yeah. And defensively, I thought that while they maintained the game, like I I never felt like the, the Patriots were really gouging them for big chunks, chunks of yards, but they were moving down the, the field. They made a couple plays, they scored a couple touchdowns. And so I feel like you take those two touchdowns out of this game from Naheem Hines, and it's very, very interesting late in the fourth quarter. One of the things that we were talking about sitting next to in the press box, each other, and by the way, one of the cool things about this season, personal note, shout podcast note, coworker note, having you in the press box on game days, it's yeah. a real thrill for me. I really enjoy it. And so, because just to be able to share ideas during the game, and we were talking about the fact that, man, like there's been a couple of things that have been apparent with this team over the past month or so. Obviously, after that first really good game on the defensive line, after Von Miller got injured, it's been kind of a little bit less production-wise than I think we've been used to seeing with that group. And then offensively, Josh Allen has seemed super jittery. And when I say that, I mean, it's almost like he's anticipating the rush every single time he's back in the pocket. And with that said, I thought that those two issues that we've kind of seen over the course of the last month or so, they seem to still be present. But again, just like in that six-game winning streak that we talked about, this Bills team is finding ways to win consistently. They get it from their special teams today. Yeah, it wasn't pretty in the first half on offense or even on defense. You mentioned it. The game was never uh, necessarily something you said, oh, the Patriots are going to run away with this one. But they were moving the ball up and down the field, and that's not something you've seen from Mac Jones and a Matt Patricia-led offense much this year, and they were having a lot of success. For the Bills, they only scored seven points on offense in the first half. And, you know, to the Josh Allen point, you're right. He almost had the, the happy feet. And in the first half, you could see why. The offensive line was breaking down early and often in that first half. And Allen had to use his legs to escape uh, away from defenders. I believe both of his sacks took place in the first half of the game. Uh, so it, it's un understandable. And he wasn't able to run the ball with success today using his legs. But the Bills offensive line, first and foremost, has to kind of get things figured out. And I know 
Uh, maybe it hasn't been what they were envisioning this year. There, there's been some good games. There's been some bad games. Defensive line, especially at defensive end, it, it was a real down game. Greg Russo has that sack on, I believe, the first series. Yeah. A big sack. I mean, hitting Mac Jones hard. And then after that, I think A.J. Epinez was the only other defensive end to even hit, have a hit on Mac Jones. So they're, they're struggling from there. They didn't get the same disruptive presence from the inside of the defensive line who have kind of stepped up. Right. Uh, for the Bills team. So it's something, like you said, the Bills put up 35 points today, but it's also easy to sit there and say, listen, this team has some uh, real issues that they're going to have to deal with. And and I guess that's the beauty of the AFC, Matt. The Chiefs have issues. The Bengals have issues. uh, And top to bottom, all the way down to the number 17, the Miami Dolphins, they have some issues. So something to look forward to. I look at that offensive line, and to me, I think that's the biggest problem, especially immediately. We're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins later in the show. But I mean, you think about Christian Wilkins on the interior. The biggest problem that I see right now in pass protection is Roger Saffold. And I don't I don't want to single him out too much, but it's hard not to. I mean, he's he's struggling at times in, in pass protection. And I know that coming into the season at 34 years old, that was the one thing that if you were going to question the signing, that was the piece of it. It's like you go back to last season when they had Bates in at left guard. And I think you made this point in that yeah. he's he just seems like maybe he's more comfortable on that left side. On the right side, who did they have in there? Trying to think they had Spencer Brown on at right tackle. Did they have Ike Butker in there at right tackle? Last year. Last year. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They had Butker. So maybe if if Ike Butker is getting back to a place where you're seeing enough in practice, he was inactive once again again today, that can be a move that you can make. But they have to make adjustments against a listen, I know it was Joe Flacco, and I know that this Jets offense hasn't really had a lot of consistency over the course of the season, but it's still a Miami Dolphins team playing for a playoff spot, spot today that held them to six points and basically an anemic passing offense game. Now, I know you're probably sitting there at home like, wait a second, you you rewind the clock back a couple of weeks and Josh Allen was in this building throwing for four touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins. So it's not a super concern quite yet, but you look at guys like DJ Reader, who might have to you might have to play. You look at guys like Chris Jones, who you're probably gonna have to get through to get to the Super Bowl. This is something that is it's just a an a problem area that exists for this team. And it's and it's so much more than just about getting Allen pressured in the pocket it's affecting the way that he throws we can also flip the script here a little bit and talk about josh allen having some of the most spectacular throws on a football field you're ever going to see the improvisation his ability to attack down the field since 2018 we saw the stat together next gen stats put out a, a, a stat that josh allen has five or more passes that have been p- completions that have gone for 60 or more air yards that's the most in the NFL since 2018 when he came into the league. Yeah, and some of those throws that he makes, they look so effortless, the way that he's able to throw the ball down the field. Uh, the John Brown play, again, it was it was a play where he had to extend it with his legs, roll out. He saw John Brown, and he kind of motioned for him to go downfield, and that's all Brown needed. And he, he led, I don't want to say he led him too far, but Brown made a, a spectacular play on that catch. But Allen, to his credit, put it in a spot where it needed to be. The, the throw to Diggs, Fantastic. And and honestly, I sit here and I say he could have had one to Gabe Davis as well. I thought Gabe Davis could have hauled uh, in a deep ball as well late in the game where maybe the Bills should have been running the ball. Uh, but Allen was on the money with some of those deep balls. And that's that's big for him because uh, at times this season, those plays haven't been there for him. They've been taking the deep ball away, having him dink, dink and dunk. So it's nice to see that when the defenses do let you kind of play that, uh, he's able to hit those balls. And you, you don't know what Miami's going to be able to do against them uh, on defense here next weekend. Yeah, I think getting digs going today was huge because, you know, at times I, I didn't think any frustration was going to come boil over in a game where 
everything we've been talking about all week is Damar Hamlin and just how how deeply affected Stefan Diggs was for all that. So obviously these guys came out today. They're playing for for three, right? They said it all week. So I, I, I didn't think any frustration, anything that happened in this offense was going to be something that impacted the team. But getting Diggs going, first of all, early and often, I mean, he had three catches, I think, in the first quarter. They were feeding him the ball. Josh Allen was looking for him, almost at times forcing it to him. And we've seen it in these Patriot games before. He really has their number. He he's put up some of his best game best performances against this team, and then that deep ball is just absolutely filthy. I mean, it's how many guys in the league are going to win down the field like that? Make get the separation at the end, make the play at the end. How many quarterbacks be able to put that ball on the money like that ball was? I mean, it was a perfect play. And then for John Brown, you want to talk about cool stories? Yeah, it's his first touchdown since when was it? January 3rd, 2021. So over two years ago, since his last touchdown, he spent time with three teams last season, uh, did not actually record a reception at all in those stints, very limited time on the field with the Denver Broncos and Jacksonville Jaguars. And then, you know, a lot of people probably thought his career was over after that comes back, comes to the bills, practice squad, one target in two games and comes in today though, and makes the most of his one target on, I believe six offensive snaps. And it's the perfect situation at the receiver position, right? I know everybody was super worried about this before the trade deadline. Gabe Davis was hurt. And I think that there's still fans. I'm still getting DMs in the game about frustrations with Gabe Davis, whether it be drops, whether it be just like not moving the right way. But I think that they're, they're set up so nicely. And we've also seen kind of the break, slowly breaking out of the scene, Khalil Shakir. Yes. He's... They're trusting him more in this offense, which I think is a big component. He made a big play over the middle today. It was a it was a traffic throw, right? Josh Allen was taking a chance. He saw the rookie downfield. He put it in a spot where it could have been dangerous, but Shakir comes down with it and then makes a play upfield, gives you some of that run after catch, which I know Brandon Bean was probably sitting up in one of these booths beaming because that's something that this team has wanted to, to try to add to the mix. So you go into the playoffs and now everything resets, okay? Active uh, game day elevations off the practice squad. You can do it every week. It's yeah. unlimited. So it's um, it's going to be a matchup specific thing. If you think you need John Brown and Cole Beasley against the Dolphins, you can call them both up. Yeah. If you just think you need one and you need to go on the defensive side with somebody else, you can go that route too. But I think today we saw something else that was really important. Hated not seeing DeMar Hamlin out there today. Just absolutely hated it. For him, what we talked about earlier in the season or in the week about finally breaking through and getting an opportunity to play and really making the most out of it for the course of the season. But we did see a cool thing happen today. Dean Marlowe, a veteran, step in, a lot kind of riding on this game, just knowing what it meant to the team and the psyche playing for DeMar Hamlin. I thought it was a veteran-laden performance from from Marlowe. Yeah, and you know Marlowe has been here before with the Bills, that is, and he was acquired at the trade deadline just like Naheem Hines, and I think that was one of the biggest reasons why Brandon Bean went the route that he did. This is someone that's comfortable with the defense, and in a pinch, he's someone that can come in. So the fans were frustrated at first that he wasn't getting the right, ball. and that he was inactive for most of these weeks. So uh, obviously, kind of ha- had to play this week after everything that happened with Demar Hamlin and Sean McDermott talked about it post game. The communication uh, was there between Marlowe and Jordan. And Poyer and he, and he played a really solid game. This is not someone that's going to come in and replicate what Micah Hyde d- does. He's not going to be someone that maybe has the same athleticism as a DeMar Hamlin, but he's someone that you can trust back there. Someone that's going to be in, in the right place at the right time, more times than not. And uh, kudos to him for stepping up today in a big time spot. If you want to step up at home, hook up the whole family, the whole party, get over to Tops Friendly Markets 
and get into that carryout cafe. They're going to hook you up with everything you need. And I know it's going to be, everybody's going to be putting together their tailgating spreads for next weekend. Miami versus Buffalo right here in this building. They're going to be putting together all week. They're going to be adding elements to the tailgating spread or the at home spread. You know, they, when you're hosting right. friends, family, head over to tops, hit the carryout cafe. Here's what they got for you. They're going to hook you up. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas, $14. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, $14. Tops, legendary breakfast pizza. Eat it for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. It doesn't even matter. 20 bucks. Pizza or taco log, six count, seven sixty nine. Baby back rib sections, five ninety nine a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, app sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to go next to Tredavious White. Yeah. I'm writing about him right now. I'll have that story up at Syracuse.com and NewYorkUpstate.com shortly after uh, we finish up here on the podcast. And we haven't heard from him a ton. No. We heard from him when he first started practicing again. That was the first time in over a year, like almost a year and a half, because he wasn't really talking much last season during COVID. And then we've talked to him once after a game. He did a podium session. And then today, it just... It, you look at him up there and he just seems so uncomfortable. Like he's going through it, you know, yeah. and we get to the end of the, uh, uh, of the press conference and he's asked about just what it was like to see DeMar Hamlin FaceTiming into the team, telling the team again, I love you boys. And you just saw the emotion and he kind of laid everything out on the table and said, it's been an awful week. He's sitting there trying to, you know, watch TV and he can't, get the images yeah. of DeMar Hamlin on the field out of his mind. It's like every time he closes his eyes, those images are kind of replaying his head. And it it really brings into focus just what these players were going through this week. I mean, this was a huge day for Tredavious White. This is his first interception in more than a year. His last interception was November 14th last season. And it was this huge moment. And you could even see it... But, while he's in the game, while he's going, he's feeling it, right? Like it's, all right, I'm starting to feel like Tredavious White again. And he's making big plays. He has an interception. He has a pass breakup. But then to just know what he went through all week and how hard he was dealt with 
all of this this week, it's it really brings everything to focus. Yeah, listen, every Bills player, every coach that we talked to post game was outstanding. But Travis White, I mean, the, the way that he opened up, the way that he shared, the way that he did, um, it, it was something else. I think it was emotional for everyone in in the uh, post game uh, press conferences. And, and you said it. He said, I'm, "I try to watch TV to get my mind off of it, but as soon as the commercials start, all I can think about is." is seeing everything with that play over and over again. And he talked about, you know, his upbringing, his life and how he's gone through some tough situations, but it's never been something where he was there for point A to point Z. He might've come in uh, and, and seen things after the fact he, he's having a tough time with this as are many bills players and, and rightfully so. Uh, but I just thought he was brilliant in the way that he opened up to the uh, media after the game. I, I think that it was almost therapeutic the way that he was able to kind of share it with with the, the media. He wanted to really kind of keep going with it as well uh, today. So uh, it had to feel good to get the interception. You know, he's been pressing a little bit out there. He's been maybe a step behind at times in some of these earlier games. Uh, so I'm sure it felt good to get the interception. But, you know, obviously he's still dealing with a lot of emotions, as are many of these players. Yeah, and I think it also says a lot about, you know, the leadership of this team to be able to come out here and deal with everything on a play-to-play basis. I mean, you have this huge adrenaline dump at the beginning of the game, right? And it's you're seeing these signs in the stadium. Everywhere you look, you can't forget about, not that anybody's trying to forget about DeMar Hamlin at all, but right. then you get into the game, you got to, you really do have to focus on the game. And this is a, it's dangerous to go out there and not be fully focused on what you're doing. And so to have all of that happening and then knowing the difficulty all week. He said, when you, when I go in the uh, meeting room, the DB room, and first of all, he talked about how close knit that DB room is. He said, it's the closest he's felt a DB room since he was at LSU and Trey White's been in the NFL now a long time. And so that's, that's far. He's been a part of a lot of DB rooms, obviously Micah Jordan, a big part of that, but he said two seats over Demar Hamlin sits there. And every time that he walks into the training room and Demar Hamlin's usually in there before him, whether he's coming from, you know, th- treatment or extra practice, the jugs machine, whatever. He all he hears, T-Weezy. That's what he hears when he walks in the thing. He's like, all I want to do is hear that in the meeting room. Again, these guys just want DeMar Hamlin now that he's up, now that it seems like he's kind of getting, you know, back to his normal self. It's like they miss him because of what he means in the room. And it says a lot about a second year player to have that kind of impact. And I think a lot of what's been said would be said about anybody, right? But it's undeniable that the effect that Hamlin has had on all of these team teammates because of how much they have to offer on who he is and what he means to them. Yeah. In, in addition to the T Weezy, you know, you heard Trey White say multiple times, I want to hug the hell out of him. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> said he wants to hug the shit out yeah. of him and right. respect to him because Listen, when you say you want to hug the shit out of somebody, <laughs> that tight, really put a tight squeeze. Yes, that's a tight squeeze. <laughs> so, it, yeah, they, they want him back. They, they want him back in Buffalo. They want him somewhere where they can hopefully see him more often. Uh, as great as all these steps are, you know, I think the Bills are going to try to figure out a way to maybe go see him this week, too. I, and I know they have a big game coming up this weekend, which the, the time and date should be announced maybe later tonight. Yeah, but, uh, the, they they miss him. They miss this teammate. And like you said, to be this young uh, in terms of only being in the league for a few years and have this kind of impact on your teammates and even on a new teammate, like we said about Naheem Hines, uh, it goes to show you the kind of person that DeMar Hamlin is, uh, the type of family that he comes from, the right kind of, you know, the upbringing that he had, uh, someone that is beloved by this team. Before we get to the Dolphins, there's one more thing I want to talk about from this game. Okay. 
So after Tredavis White makes his interception, huge play to get the ball back. Game is tied up at 14-14. Huge turning point in the game, as we've seen. Second play, running play to Devin Singletary, puts the ball on the ground, fumbles the ball. And I got to ask, where are you at with that particular play? Listen, I know James Cook had an untimely fumble early in the season. And really, as a running back, you can fumble at any time. But how concerning is that? That's his third fumble on the season for Devin Singletary. So I'm not overly concerned about it becoming a regular thing. But does that possibly open the door? Because I'd be interested to go look at the snap count after that fumble happened. I, it felt like we saw more James Cook down the stretch than, J, than Devin Singletary. I could be wrong. Do you feel like that might lead to an increased role for James Cook? I don't know if I'm predicting that, but I could see that being the case against the Dol- Dolphins next week. Cook's been so good over the last six weeks. Yeah, and listen, they have different skill sets. You and I both know that uh, Cook has more burrs. Singletary is elusive. Uh, and up until, you know, today, I would say the more trusted back because of what he's done. And I, I still think this coaching staff trusts Singletary. I still think he's going to have a role. But, yeah, it definitely opens the door for James Cook because if Cook goes into this game against Miami and he rips off a 15-yard run or he catches a short pass and takes it seven yards, eight yards downfield, you want to get a guy like that more involved because he's that – Big play threat. He's that guy that can put you in good situations where second and short, third and short, you're more likely to move the ball. So uh, I, I think it opens the door for James Cook, but I also think this coaching staff still has good uh, a good amount of trust in both guys. All right, let's get to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, that That's going to be next up. It's official. Yeah. Number two versus number seven. It's going to be the third time this season the Bills play against the Dolphins. We could be very much on track to Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater, depending on what happens with Tua Tagovailoa. He uh, suffered a concussion against the Packers in week 16. So that would be now two games that he hasn't played. And it wasn't pretty for the Dolphins today. Skylar Thompson looked not what you want coming into Orchard Park, knowing what this Bills offense did to the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. How do you foresee this kind of playing out? And where do you, where do we even put the odds at Tua playing in this game? Yeah, it's tough to put any any ads on Tua right now because you don't know where he is in the concussion protocol. And uh, according to the team, it's been two concussions, that being the Dolphins this season, one happening shortly after the first Bills game this year, one happening against the Packers. And the scary one about the Packers is uh, the day after the game, he was running through some plays with Mike McDaniel where he threw some interceptions. He couldn't recall the play call. Uh, and, and that's scary. And, you know, first and foremost, you hope that he heals up. He can continue his NFL career long term. Uh, but for this game, you know, Mike McDaniel even said after the game, he doesn't want to really sit here and put a uh, prediction on Tua playing. It all comes down to if and when he can get out of the concussion protocol. He was there. Uh, he was in the tunnel after the, the Dolphins won that game to seal the fact that they would get into the playoffs, uh, congratulating teammates. But we don't know where he's at. And it, it is a huge step down between him and Teddy Bridgewater and a massive step down when you're talking about Skylar Thompson. Uh, So right now, Miami obviously is most likely hoping that Tua can play. Tyreek Hill said something along those lines, hoping he'd be back for this one. Uh, Putting on a show against the Bills is what he said in that second matchup, which he had some great throws downfield against Buffalo. There's no denying that he gives them their best chance of winning this game. But right now it's, it's a huge unknown, Matt. So let's let's start with if Tua plays. Like I think that's a good conversation to have really quick. You know, I don't think there's any fear in the Bills locker room or amongst Bills fans about this Dolphins team with or without Tua. And they've had a lot of success, but there's also a lot of game tape now to dive into this offense. They've the Bills, if you're talking about a defense and a, and a defensive coordinator who has 
more experience than Tyreek on Tyreek Hill defending him. You're not going to find many more than Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott. They've spent the last four or five years, you know, studying what he does in an offense. Now having Jalen Waddle and him available, you know, that is what it is. And, you know, Tua does a good job of getting the ball out. But if he is cleared to play, you also talk about the recall of those moments when you do take big hits. If he does take a big hit in this game, how does he react to it? Is he thinking about it when he's back there behind center? So I don't think that necessarily Tua playing is this, you know, um, clear cut advantage for the Dolphins. I'm still wondering if there might be some wrinkles to work out when he does get back out here. And then also if you're the Dolphins, you really have to kind of think about whether or not it's worth it. Right. Like unless you can 100% clear it. And if he has two documented concussions and one that might be undocumented, if you want to go back to that first bills game, it's a real risk to put him out there. It is. And and that's the scary part part of it. You think of the player or not the player, the person, and you want any NFL player to have that, um, a long life where they don't have to deal with any kind of head issues or anything of the, of that nature. And you're right. That's the scary part of it. You have to think of the person first and foremost. Uh, obviously we don't have the, the medical records. The team doctors do. They'll know first and foremost, whether he's going to be uh, cleared or ready to go and have that confidence in him. Uh, I, I do think I'm not going to sit here and say the bills would fear the Dolphins, the, the Bills are the two seed for a reason. The Dolphins are the seven seed, but uh, it is a significant upgrade in terms of their other options at quarterback. He, the anticipation, the timing, uh, it, it's there for him. There is a blueprint taking away the middle of the field, trying to clog up those lanes. Uh, whether or not the Bills can can execute on that, that'll be a big part of the storyline if Tua is cleared in time for this weekend's game. And they also have a lot of snaps against him this yes. season. And I think the best way to face something that's so challenging is experience against it, right? The more you work on a math problem over and over again, like you were talking about all weekend with Ellie, as she's kind of doing all, going through all of her homework, the more repetitions you get at it, the more comfortable you're going to feel in those settings. So I think I'm saying at this point, advantage bills. We'll see how that progresses over the course of the week. um, As we get closer to the game, we're going to preview this game in so many different ways. What do you think about this ending up being the matchup? There were three options on the table, the Steelers, the Dolphins and the Patriots. I think everybody could have agreed that the Patriots would have been the best case scenario because of what we saw in this game. They're just, even when they had things going, they never felt threatening in this game. If you were a Bills fan, I think Pittsburgh is a challenge because of that defense. They could take the ball away and TJ Watt is a game wrecker. I know Kenny Pickett is Kenny Pickett, but that would have been its own thing. Would you say that the Dolphins were like the one that the fans were least hoping to see in this game and now it ends up being the matchup that is going to be yeah I, I definitely think of the of the three teams that's the one you most likely least wanted to see you said it the Patriots are the Patriots at this point uh, Mac Jones sometimes can kind of be a, a decent game manager but when you're against a high-flying high-powered offense like the Bills like the Chiefs like the Bengals uh, nine times out of ten they're not going to be able to kind of keep up with them when it comes to Pittsburgh Buffalo came in this year beat them 38 to 3 early on in the year now Kenny Pickett it has improved since that point. There's no denying that, uh, but there's nothing about that offense that the Bills would have feared. You mentioned the defense being is pretty solid. Obviously, have to deal with uh, Watt as well on that side of the ball, but I, I think that was the clear second choice with the Dolphins being the toughest of the three matchups. Uh, both games are very close this season uh, in terms of final score. Obviously, the Bills had a lot of self-inflicted uh, wounds in that first game in terms of mistakes, turnovers, uh, but but definitely the, the toughest of the three. Uh, I put out a poll last night as the um, games were going on, the Jacksonville game, obviously. Yeah. 
Uh, they get the win and advance to the playoffs as their division winner. If the Bills do end up in the two seed, which they did, which first round matchup do you want the most? And 3,899 people voted. The Dolphins, 11%. Right. Patriots, 32%. And 57% was the Steelers. So 57% wanted the Steelers to be the matchup. It ended up being the Dolphins was the least requested matchup. And, and with the Steelers, I guess, you know, those other two teams are division rivals. There's, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of tape There's uh, between just over the years. So with Pittsburgh, that's not the same case. So I could see why fans would go that route. All right. We're going to move into the final segment of the show. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe to the show as well. We appreciate all of your support this weekend. Everybody that came out to wing nuts to support at our event last night. That was awesome. Quick story time. We had a pair of fans come out, um, Nate and his girlfriend, all the way from London and Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Why? Made a two-hour drive, crossed the border to come check out the Shout Podcast live, talk some bills with us, have some great beers, have some great wings. It was a memorable night for everybody that came out. And stay tuned. We're going to announce it on the show. We got another one coming up in a couple of weeks, sometime during the playoffs. It's just a place, great place to hang out, talk bills, eat food, and have you know, good conversation. Yeah. And a huge shout out to everyone that came out, but you know, they came two hours, like you mentioned, and they weren't even coming to the game today. They turned back around and drove back through the border last night. Uh, so that was one of the, the more surreal moments. The wings live up to the hype. The drinks there are great. The atmosphere, you name it. So uh, definitely check out one of our future shows at wing nuts. Can't wait to get back. Actually. I'm dying for the, I'm a wing nuts mild guy. Uh, we, I gotta get a little bit more adventurous and try some of the different yeah. flavors, but they, I, I also, I'm not a sour beer guy. Like you love sours. I do like sours. Yeah. I tried their blue raspberry sour last night, dude. Really it tasted like a, um, either a Jolly Rancher or one of those like uh warheads back in the day. Remember those? Oh yeah. I, I said like a melted, uh, slushy that you could Ooh. get at like seven 11 or something. Yeah. They, Fantastic. That could be a very dangerous uh, drink in the summertime. It could. All right. Head over to valuehomecenters.com right now. They got their weekly ad up. Uh, if you text value, V-A-L-U, to 80692, you'll receive exclusive coupons, see weekly deals, and so much more. So make sure you get over to Value Home Centers. Support one of the proud sponsors of the Shout Podcast. And every post-game edition of Shout, we bring you the value. Toolsy. Player of the game, Ryan Talbot, start us off. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm going Naheem Hines and, it, you know, something symbolic. Uh, Josh Allen called it spiritual. A lot of the players said it felt like God was here when he scored those touchdowns. And listen, whether you believe it or not, there's something fitting about a Bills player uh, having the first kick return touchdown in three years and three months. Uh, just unbelievable. That, that alone brought uh, Josh Allen, uh, you know, almost to, to tear up a little bit today. So, it, memorable performance, unbelievable game by Naheem Hines. A big reason why they acquired him at the trade deadline was to stabilize the kick and punt return situation. He showed what he could do today. I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to give it uh, the award as a co-toolsy co player of the game award. I'm going Taron Johnson, and I'm going Tremaine Edmonds. It was fitting that they were up at the table together talking at the post-game press conference. I thought they both played an explosive game. And I, you know, listen, we've could have given this to Matt, Matt Milano in there too. I thought he was flying around. I thought he made some plays, obviously had a big interception, but look at the stats here. You look at Tremaine Edmonds, six tackles, three pass def passes, defense, one interception, 
So first of all, splash play for Tremaine, which everybody's always looking for from him. And then he just was in passing lanes today. He was just, uh, he was running around like a demon out there. I, I felt like it really made things difficult, especially in the second half for Mac Jones. And then Taron Johnson, one week after a concussion, coming back, being available, but then flying around and just setting the tone defensively. Tremaine Edmonds was asked about Taron Johnson's play today, and he said, I'm not surprised. I came in with him back in 2018. He's been a dog since then. He always adds juice out there, and there's not anybody that he would want to go to war with more than Taron Johnson, and he's so right. I mean, when when they're out there, when they're flying around, when they're playing the way that they did today, that's one of the really difficult linebacking groups to go against. And I, I put Taron Johnson in the mix there because he does play like a linebacker at times, which especially what's exactly. Yeah. It, you know, Taron Johnson, when he's playing with confidence, I would say he is the best nickel cornerback in this league. And that's saying something because there's some really good ones. And, and he was laying some hard hits today. You, you mentioned he, he kind of plays like a linebacker. Tremaine Edmonds is having a career year. There's no denying that uh, he has shown Buffalo what he can do. You hear it from opposing coaches though, as well about the way he's able to take away passing lanes, use that wingspan. Uh, when the bills use him kind of going after the quarterback, he has some really nice moments, good against the run this year. So great. Great choices for tools to play of a game. All right. We're going to wrap things up from inside Highmark Stadium. You've been watching the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Make sure you get over there this week. They're going to have great deals. They're going to have great food. Hook you guys up. And we're going to have great podcasts for you all week long as we get on the road to the playoffs next week. Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills in this place right here. And we'll see. We'll see what the date. They didn't announce the time yet. For Ryan, I'm Matt. See you then. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.